Let's pray before we start. Lord God, uh, we thank you that you are here with us uh, as we look at these words on the page and I speak my thoughts. I pray that you will draw us closer to your living word, Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. What a bunch of hypocrites you are. That's a good way to alienate your audience at the beginning of a sermon, isn't it? What a bunch of hypocrites you are. But that's, that's what Jesus does in this, in this passage. He, he tells the Pharisees, he says, don't be like the Pharisees. And these are like, there's so many people, they're all trampling on each other. And you can bet that a lot of them were looking at the Pharisees and going, well, they've got some quite good ideas. Jesus doesn't be like them. Hypocrisy is the yeast. And I don't think he means the yeast is good. It makes it nice. It makes nice bread. He's like, this is the thing that gets all the way through and it infects the whole lot. Don't be like the Pharisees. So I've been kind of thinking about hypocrisy. And in fact, I kind of got as far as that. And uh, there's a lot of other things in this passage that I haven't got to thinking about yet. So if you want to know what it means to blaspheme in the Holy Spirit, uh, ask Rob after the service. And, uh, but, you know, we can talk about some of those things. But uh, this thing about hypocrisy has really stuck with me because I know that I am a hypocrite. Um, so don't worry, this isn't me accusing anyone. But I want us all to just sit in that discomfort a little bit of acknowledging that we are hypocrites. I say that I'm, well, I say that I care about the planet and that recycling is important. But sometimes, if I'm sitting at my desk and I've got a scrap piece of paper and I look at the bin that isn't for recycling and I think, well, actually, the bin that is for recycling is all the way in the other room, I think, I know what I'm doing. No, no one will know. I'll just put that in there. Sometimes, even though I am a minister of religion, if I'm driving, I might take the collar off before I go a little bit faster. <laughs> no, surely not. Sometimes, I claim that I am loved by the God of the universe, but I find it hard to well, I find it hard to love my family, let alone my neighbours. And as for my enemies, you can forget about it. Um, I'm going to risk a pop culture reference here now. Could go very wrong. Has anyone listened to the new Kendrick Lamar album? Yes! I knew there'd be one! <laughs> it has got a lot of very strong language in it, I discovered today. So uh, if you are easily offended, I've listened, so you don't have to. Um, I think it's fair to say that Kendrick Lamar has got a complicated relationship with Christianity. Um, but one of the things he says is, the cat is out of the bag. I am not your saviour. I find it just as difficult to love thy neighbours. We all find it hard. We all find it hard to live up to the expectations that we set ourselves or that we create in other people. And we feel betrayed by our own actions sometimes, don't we? We're like, oh, why did I do that? I'm such an idiot. Why couldn't I have just, why couldn't I have just said the true thing rather than the thing that was a little bit of a bending the truth? Why didn't I stick up for that person? Why did I walk past that person who needed some help and just ignore them because I was in a rush? Because our mouths are writing checks that our lives can't cash. So I've been wondering, okay, we want less hypocrisy. 
What's the opposite of hypocrisy? Any thoughts? What's the opposite of hypocrisy? You don't need to put your hand out. You can just shout. It's not school. Being, prin being principled. Sorry? Integrity, being principled. Anything else? Honesty. Truth. Because we want to try and do that, whatever that is, the opposite of hypocrisy. Hypocrisy seems to me to be the gap between the things we claim to believe, the values we claim to live by, and the reality of the things that we do and the things that we say. Um, so I guess one solution to close that gap is just to work really, really hard to be more like the person that we want to be. I have heard that too. Um, because, so uh, some of you might know John Wesley, who was the founder of the Methodist movement, um, when it was a movement and not just a church down the road. He, uh, he was part of a club called the Holy Club. Doesn't that sound like a club you want to go to? <laughs> he was in the Holy Club, and it was a group of people who took the way that they lived really seriously. And they had a list of 22 questions. Um, and some of them are quite hardcore questions. And they would be honest with themselves, ruthlessly honest with themselves and with each other about how they answered these questions. And they'd do it every day. One of them was, am I honest in all my acts and in all my words, or do I exaggerate? Oof. Do I pray about the money that I spend? Am I jealous, impure, critical, irritable, uh, tough, or distrustful? They took this stuff really seriously. They took it really seriously. And I think it is important that we need to have integrity. We need to put our lives where our mouths are. Because it's no good just saying, oh, well, I, you know. I, you see, the thing that really annoys me, you know when politicians screw up and, um, or any public figure and they do something that causes massive offense to loads of people and then they say, oh, well, the people who know me know that this doesn't represent who I am. That doesn't represent who I am. Who I am is some other person in my head. <laughs> Not the thing that I did, but of course, they did the thing. Who else was it doing that thing? They did it. So our actions do reflect who we are. But, but, of course, we can never live up to all of those expectations, especially when we're trying to be, when we're trying to be true to the God that we follow. And I think that was one of the mistakes that the Pharisees made. The Pharisees thought that if they fixed their behavior, if they could only follow every law, if they could only get things right, then, then they'd be okay. But that's, they thought that the behavior was the same as inward change. And what we end up doing, really, is just pretending. You know, you come to church... And you pretend to be the person that you want to be so that then you can kind of get on with it for the rest of the week. 
and we end up start sort of just policing other people's behavior rather than caring about what's going on in their heart and caring about whether they have got that relationship with Jesus Christ. So that's one thing we could do. We could try and improve our behavior. The other thing we could do is just try and lower expectations. And I've seen this work quite well for some political figures recently, where they go, oh, well, you know, this doesn't matter too much. And in fact, you can't really expect me to be, uh, to be perfectly behaved all of the time. Um, and I guess that's important too. We need to be honest about the limitations of our ability to do things ourselves. This is uh, one of the things that John Wesley did do, and I want to be fair to John Wesley, because he wasn't pharisaical. He said, am I consciously or unconsciously creating the impression that I'm better than I really am? In other words, am I a hypocrite? So it's important that we do acknowledge the limits of our ability to live up to these standards. Um, and actually, that's why we haven't done it tonight, um, but why when we get together so often, we confess and we repent because part of what we're doing as Christians is to acknowledge our own failings and the limits of our own behavior. Um, there, you may know about... Um, well. We see this a lot in huge megachurches where there's a, great, there's a leader that everyone looks up to and then some, something is discovered in their lives which just undermines their whole ministry. Um, in particular, you might think of um, Willow Creek, for those of you who don't know, was a huge, is a huge megachurch actually still in Chicago. And for a long time, it was like the big church. It was how to be a big successful, growing church with integrity that loves Jesus, that reads the Bible. And I'm sure that we have used Willow Creek materials in this church at some point in the last 20 years. Um, but what happened was a number of women came forward and revealed, really, that the pastor, Bill Hybels, had been... You know, he'd been responsible for some terrible sexual misconduct. You can Google it if you want to know the details. And someone, I was, I was listening to someone talking about this, and they said that they didn't have a corporate culture of repentance. They didn't, when they got together, acknowledge that they were all failures. Uh, and I think that that's an important thing. I'm not saying that just because we do that, that's fine. We don't need to examine ourselves. But we need to keep coming back and together and as individuals acknowledging that we can't do it in our own strength. But of course, we can't just keep lowering the bar forever. We can't keep saying, well, I can't achieve that, so I'll do this. Oh, I can't achieve that, so I'll do this. I keep, can't. Because what happens then is we may no longer be hypocrites, but we probably won't be Christians either. Um, we need to have integrity and repentance. But there's always going to be some sort of gap. And in the passage today, Jesus says, let me just find this, in verse, oh, where are we? Right at the end, for the Holy Spirit will teach you at that time what you should say. When you are brought before synagogues, rulers and authorities, do not worry about how you will defend yourselves or what you will say. 
the Spirit will teach you at that time what you should say. You see, Jesus is saying, being a Christian, following me, is going to get you into trouble. If you're doing it right, it's going to get you into trouble. But you don't need to worry. You don't need to stress about what the implications of that are, because my spirit is with you. And my spirit is shaping you into people who are ready for those situations, for that trouble. So, through the Holy Spirit, we are being prepared. I wonder if blaspheming in the Holy Spirit has something to do with not trusting that the Spirit will prepare us for those circumstances. And then, Jesus starts talking about sparrows. What's, what are you talking about, Jesus? Why are you going on about sparrows all of a sudden? He seems to be saying that like, because God cares about all of these sparrows, of course, of course God cares about us. And I've, I've been thinking about this a lot at least recently because um, those of you who have been paying attention to the Mercury will know that there was an article all about um, an event that we put on in Netherhall over Easter. And one of the things that I highlighted about Netherhall was that um, people feel forgotten. It's a community where people feel like no one's really interested that the council have stopped providing all of the activities and all of the services across after a while is we're not worth being remembered. But here we are, Jesus is saying, a heavenly father who keeps sparrows alive. So of course, you are worth being remembered. And I think that this is a really important thing, that knowing our identity in Jesus Christ allows us to be bold. It allows us to take risks and to maybe sometimes step out and not know how much we'll be able to follow through. Because when, rather than trying to fix our behavior, rather than trying to manage other people's expectations, when we know who we are in Christ, then it brings that gap those two things a little bit closer together. And then, of course, sometimes we will fail. Sometimes we will just fall into that gap. And then we look to Jesus, because Jesus lived a life of absolute integrity. There was no gap between the words that Jesus said about who he was and the, the life that Jesus led. In fact, there was no gap between Jesus and God. And that, that life of perfect integrity led to death at the hands of people who claimed to worship God. That is our ultimate hypocrisy, is that when we encounter the God that we claim to worship, we killed him. But that doesn't have to be the response that we have to Jesus. Because when he died, and when he rose again, Jesus healed all sorts of gaps. He healed the gap between us and God. Jesus healed the gap between us and one another. And Jesus healed that gap between 
the things that we really aspire to, the way that we really hope to live, and our human failure. That's what grace is. That's what grace is. Integrity is holding ourselves to a higher standard. Repentance is acknowledging that we are never going to meet that standard. But grace is the thing that heals that chasm. So let's seek out grace. Let's embrace it. And let's know that God's Spirit goes with us into every situation and that we are loved by, beyond measure by that God of grace. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you that you are with us by your Spirit, that where we fail, where we experience the limits of our abilities, you are there, standing in the gap. Help us to live in the knowledge that you love us and that your grace is poured out for us. In Jesus' name. Amen.